Welcome to Crime on Caffeine. I'm your host, Erica. And I'm your host, Allison. Thank you so much for tuning in to part two of the Lori Vallow case. Today we'll be sipping on some Thank the Goat coffee, just some normal brewed pot coffee with some good old almond milk creamer in it. Trust me, it's really good. I got mine on Amazon. And if you hear some snoring in the background, that's just our dog, Detective Gus, taking a snoozle. I just wanted to mention something before we get into part two of this case. If we say something that is incorrect or we forgot to mention something or you guys have any questions or comments or anything, please head over to our website and leave us some feedback. We really appreciate anything that you have to say. Um, We don't care if you're telling us that we did something wrong. Just (laughs) be nice about it, but we would really appreciate the feedback. Yeah, it's just crimeoncaffeine.com if you're wondering. And all of our social medias are also just Crime on Caffeine, um, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Check us out. Okay, so let's get into part two of Lori Vallow, Chad Daybell, and these missing children. So just a little refresher. In part one, we talked about Lori, her childhood, her crazy family that hates the government. Uh, We went through all of her marriages and her shadiness surrounding the disappearance of her children. Uh, The last part we left off with was December um, when the police officially announced that Tylee and JJ were missing and that their disappearance might be linked to Tammy Daybell's suspicious death. Um, Remember, Tammy is Chad's ex-wife. She died under suspicious circumstances and they exhumed her body Um, just like a couple weeks before that. So the day after they announced that they were missing, Chad and Lori were named persons of interest in the case. Um, Just a reminder, this does not mean that they're suspects. It just means that they could possibly be involved or know something about the crime, but they haven't been charged or arrested with anything. So about a week later, the Rexburg Police Department issued a statement claiming that they had information that proves that Lori either knows where the kids are or knows what happened to them. And they said that both Chad and Lori were refusing to cooperate whatsoever, and they said it was astonishing. Um, they said that Lori just chose to flee the state with Chad instead of assisting in the investigation. Oh, makes sense. Good good decision. I just, like, if your children were missing... it. Leaving the state probably doesn't make you look good. I'm so done with her already. I just want her (laughs) to go to jail. It's like that TikTok where he's like, go to jail. (laughs) At this point, they're just making themselves look totally guilty. And a few days later, the Rexburg police showed up to the home that Chad and Tammy shared. And he now lived here with Lori. But they showed up to his house with a search warrant. And they searched the house Uh, There was a shed and a barn behind the home, and they used metal detectors to search around the yard, and they collected over 40 pieces of possible evidence. They collected computers, phones, journals, documents, medications, and knowing Lori, she probably had some incriminating things in there because she doesn't care if people think that she's guilty because she doesn't think she's going to get in trouble. She show enough doesn't. So at this point, members from every side of this family we're now getting involved and there are a lot of sides uh kate and larry issued a press release offering twenty thousand dollars for any information that might lead to the children at this point chad's brother matt also spoke up he claimed that because of the children missing and tammy's suspicious death that he had to say something he was saying that he texted chad several times and chad would not answer him he didn't even know about chad's marriage to Lori until a neighbor told him 
Oh my god. Yeah. So these two are just living in that portal. They're basically living in this portal. They <laughs> don't give like any fucks, but <laughs> He pleaded for Chad to cooperate with the investigation. He said that he and his parents had little to no contact with Chad due to his crazy religious beliefs. And just after he wrote all those books, they were just like, mm, nah. Well, yeah, they probably read like gonna talk to you the epilogue and were like, oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so around the same time, body cam footage of the day Charles was murdered was released. So remember, Charles Vallow was husband number four and... He was murdered because Lori's brother, Alex, claimed it was self-defense. Which I don't believe for a second. No, you're not alone in that. So the video really just showed the aftermath of the shooting where the officers were talking to Alex about the incident. Um, It showed that Alex and Lori's statements contradicted each other. So I'm just going to read some of the dialogue from this video. The police officer said, what happened today? How did it get to this? And Alex said, I don't know. He was enraged. And he told the investigators that the two children, Tylee and JJ, and Lori had left the house shortly before the shooting occurred. He said, it was over my sister. He was getting physical with her. So my niece came out with her bat and he took the bat away with her. Tylee came out with a bat. So that's what Alex just said. But the officer said, wait a minute, I thought you said your niece left. Because he literally just said oh my God. Yeah, that the kids just- <laughs> and Lori left before it happened. Oh my gosh. And he said, she did. This was before. No. That, that doesn't make any sense. No. So he said he grabbed Charles from behind and they fell to the ground. And when Alex got back up, he explains how he gets hit in the back of the head. He said, I turned around and he hit me in the back of the head with a bat. So I went to my room and got my gun because I always carry it. In his room? He always carries it in his room? I, yeah. He said that he warned Charles to drop the bat before shooting him twice in the chest. I just... See, like, when you say it like that, it doesn't sound like self-defense. It doesn't. I warned him, man. Don't do it. The footage shows the officers investigating the inside of the home when they find Charles' body on the ground, and it also shows Lori returning to the scene in Charles' rental car, and she meets with police, and she talks to them. They took the audio of that conversation out of the video. I don't really know why, but the report said that moments before the shooting, Lori heard the gunshot and walked from the kitchen to the living room and found Charles' body. So clearly they didn't leave before yeah, it happened. I was just about to say, how could she do that if she was gone? Mm-hmm. So she checks on the kids in the car, and then she almost went back inside, but then she just drove off with the kids. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Um... And then Alex called 911 after that, but... That was Lori's reaction to her husband dying, being murdered right in front of her and her two children who would have been traumatized for the rest of their lives. Oh, my God. Yeah. What? They would have. They'd have been so traumatized. And just watching your mom be so nonchalant about that, I can't imagine how that would. Yeah. I like, I don't know. Imagine like your dad dies and your mom's like. Oh no! Let's have a pool party because like, that was the. They ended yeah, they up having a, a party that night. They had a party. Oh my god! I I really wish that we knew, like how the kids reacted to this and like what they were thinking. Yeah. So I said earlier that they fled the state once they announced that the kids were missing. So law enforcement eventually finds them at the end of January, and they were in Hawaii. 
That girl loves Hawaii. Mm-hmm. She do love. She do be loving Hawaii. <laughs> She's taking all her men's there. <laughs> so she was served with a court order stating that she must produce Tylee and JJ to the Idaho Department of Health and Welfare or the Rexburg Police Department in five days, which would be January 30th. And then the next day, they got warrants to search their rental car in Hawaii and their rental townhome. Um, They were saying that they were still refusing to cooperate whatsoever. And meanwhile, back in Arizona, Kay and Larry were filing for guardianship of JJ. Oh, my god! I know. It literally breaks my heart. Ugh. How old was he at this point? Still, like, he was seven. Okay, I was about to say, still really young. I know. I really hope that, like, they don't feel guilty or at fault for... Yeah, I hope so, too. Also, again, if you hear some snoring in the background, (laughs) Gus is... He has not had his caffeine this morning. (laughs) He is just passed out on a pink fuzzy rug. He's so loud. I don't understand. I hope he can't hear it. His, like, face is smushed into the carpet right now. He can't even breathe in the first place. He's a French bulldog, and he's just smushing his face in. So sorry about the snoring. But back to Lori Vallow. I bet you couldn't even guess this, but crazy enough, she (laughs) didn't comply with the court order, and she didn't bring the kids. No. I know. Didn't see that one coming. So within the next week, they were actually able to obtain footage from that storage unit. Oh, the one her and her brother kept going mm-hmm. to. So they got access to the storage unit and they got the security footage. Oh. So inside the unit, there were bikes, a scooter, winter clothing. Uh, there was a photo album with pictures of the kids. There was sports equipment. There was a backpack with JJ's initials on it and a jersey that said Colby Ryan on the back. It was like JJ's. Aww. He had it. It was like his brother's. Yeah. Because... Like, they weren't from the same father, obviously, but Colby did consider JJ his brother. Like, they course, they were yeah. such a blended family, but, like, they all loved each other, like, all the kids. Um, there were also, this is really sad, there were also blankets, like, two blankets set out, and each blanket had, like, a picture of each child. Kind of looked like a little, like, memorial for, yeah. like, the two kids. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Mm-hmm. I can't. So you want to hear some some crazy some crazy as things? if I haven't heard any already. No, this is um, remember her niece Melanie. Mm-hmm. She was married to Brandon, and they got divorced because she was crazy. At this point, Melanie had moved to Idaho with Ian, her new husband. We mm-hmm. talked a little bit about him yeah, last one, but touched. not much. During this time, I don't know how this keeps happening, but Melanie and Brandon are in the middle of a custody battle, and Ian and his ex-wife, Natalie, are also in the middle of a custody battle, just happening at the same time. And Melanie moved right next door to Lori. The custody (laughs) battle was... A lot came out, and a lot about Lori and Chad came out. And Brandon provided a lot of documents, and Natalie, Ian's ex-wife got some documents from Ian's computer of some court records, things that he was saying to attorneys um, about Chad and Lori. So Brandon currently had possession of the children. He said that when Melanie left Arizona, she just picked up in the middle of the night and she took all the kids' things and just, like, left them on the sidewalk. Like, even items that were, like, brand new, things that were really expensive, like, she just left it all there, packed up, and just left. Yeah. 
So Brandon said, if Melanie had any intention of ever having her children again, one would think she would have taken their belongings along with her. Yeah. So that's why he was like, he did not want her to have possession of the kids at all. Gosh, no, it sounds terrible. He said, first of all, her sharing the same beliefs as Lori, he did not want his kids around that. And second, he thought that Melanie knew what happened to the children. So he was like, no way is she going to be around my children. He also told the courts that before the children went missing, Lori stated that their bodies had been possessed by demons. Oh. Mm-hmm. And Ian was talking to attorneys about this as well. He was saying that he tried to keep an open mind about Melanie's beliefs at first, and at first it was, like, fun, but then he described it as being very dun- dragon- Dungeons and Dragons. Is that? I think that was a game. Dragons yeah. and dun- uh, Yeah. I think dragons. Dungeons and Dungeons Dragons, Dragons. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of what he described it as. He said that Melanie stated that she believed Brandon was possessed by a demon as well. She had talked about this with Chad and Lori because they were the ones who kind of made her believe in that because they said to her, like, our kids are possessed. Well, Lori's kids are possessed. And so they told her that something needed to happen to Brandon to let his spirit progress and for the Lord's plan to continue. And she said she didn't take well to the idea of her husband dying as part of the Lord's plan, but she also didn't think someone would actually try and kill him. And if we remember in part one, someone did try to kill him while driving deceased Charles Vowell's car, yes. Alex Cox. And she said that because Chad and Lori told her Brandon needed to die because he was possessed, that she believed they thought the same about the kids and that the kids needed to die too. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. Sounds very logical. Not crazy at all. Like I don't. I don't even have words right now. I don't either. I just really. I guess I. I, I guess you had to be there. I'm, I really. I have no idea. You had to be there. He did. I mean, it makes no sense whatsoever. Everybody's possessed and they must die. Mm-hmm. Except. Me. I am not possessed. <laughs> I'm just crazy. There was a lot more in these documents. The stuff that they, they were saying was crazy. They had stats on which a person was ranked by his or her levels of vibration, trustworthiness, and light and dark percentage. How do you know the light and dark percentage I, of somebody? How do you know that there's a zombie possessing your kids? Also, what's my vibration? I don't know. Do I have good vibes? And this is where they spoke about... How their children have been possessed by a demon or a worm or a slug. Oh, yeah, the slugs. Yeah. The slugs did it. Mm -hmm. They said that when people become possessed by these demons or worms or slugs, the original spirit is pushed out of the body and trapped in limbo. So that's why you need to kill them so that the spirit can move forward. Okay. And they also claim that there are 50 dark translated beings in the world and two of them happened to be from the Rexburg PD, the two officers who were investigating them. I, it, it just, I feel like it just gets wackier every time. Yeah. Every they time said things come out of your they mouth. They said those beings cannot die, cannot reproduce, do not need food or sleep, and do not feel sorrow of the world. So basically, they're vampires. <laughs> She's watching Vampire Diaries. <laughs> Everything's a vampire or a werewolf right now. You know um, how you become a vampire? Slugs. <laughs> and something I was thinking about is why was Ian still with her? He said at that point, 
after the whole ex- explanation about the demons and everything, he started to become worried. But he was telling himself, like, there's no way I just married into a situation that was so sinister. He said he spent the next two days trying to justify his actions and reassure himself that everything was fine, but he couldn't get to that point. And Me, then every morning, <laughs> everything's fine. After that, his ex-wife Natalie went to the police about Melanie because she was so concerned for the safety of the children that she shared because, you know, Melanie was going to be around her kids now. So the police actually gave Ian a device to secretly record his phone conversations with Chad and Lori or Melanie's phone conversations with them, but they didn't ever capture anything that was substantial. And he eventually admitted to Melanie that he'd been talking to the police She kind of came to the conclusion that she really wasn't sure if she still believed in all of this. Well, good. I'm glad she's, like, second-guessing herself a little bit here. So, it's February 20th, 2020, and Lori is finally arrested in Hawaii on a $5 million arrest warrant from Madison County, Ohio. Ohio! From Madison County, Idaho. She was charged with two felony counts of desertion, non-support of dependent children and then she was charged for some misdemeanors too so she was charged for resisting or obstructing officers criminal solicitation to commit a crime which is arrests and seizures and then willful disobedience of court or proper order aka contempt of court that's what that means if you hear that So she appeared in front of the court in Hawaii the following day, and she was trying to have her bail reduced, and you'll see this come up a lot. And the request was denied multiple times. She waived her extradition from Hawaii to Idaho, which meant that they wouldn't have an extradition hearing. She would just go back ASAP. Um, So Chad returned to Idaho on the 29th, and she returned on March 5th, and she was taken to jail and was set to appear in court the following day. So Magistrate Judge Farron Eddins agreed to have Lori's bail reduced to $1 million. She was unable to postpone, so she stayed in jail. Yeah, pocket change. <laughs> so we have some interesting tea spilled by a woman who shared some a tea cell. Or some C, as in cry. <laughs> yeah, so anyway. <laughs> I can't not say it. So I think I'm a genius, and I don't care what you say. Okay. I'll give you that. Although we are about to spill some tea, not see. Mm-hmm. So this woman shared a cell with Lori for like a few days, like three or four, I think it was. And she refers to her as Daybell. Just throwing that out there because I still call her Bello. Yeah, me too. So she said that she was super upbeat and friendly and that she never showed any sign of heartbreak, never cried, wasn't disappointed. And she actually opened up about how glad she was that she was no longer in jail in Hawaii. She said jail in Hawaii was so bad and that there were roaches and it was awful and that jail in Madison County was so nice compared to that and the food was amazing. Okay, go off. <laughs> I'm trying to go. Like, what? <laughs> you got mac and cheese? What you got? The woman who shared the cell with her was saying that she was so aware of everything going on and she loved it. Loved it? Yeah. Lori was saying, we have the death of Kobe Bryant and COVID, but no, there's me. I'm the lead story. I'm more important than all that stuff. She thinks she's more important than the Kobe Bryant. Mm -hmm. Trust me, I followed this case, but I did not hear about this more than I heard about COVID or Kobe Bryant. She she truly Mm -hmm. thinks she's something else. 
Well, she's chosen by God. Oh, you're right. She was she's chosen. carrying out the mission. He also told her to go on Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> Ugh, she is wonderful. Mm-hmm. One of a kind. <laughs> Truly. Something else. <laughs> but her cellmate said that she knew she was the main story and she loved it. And she said she was showing off her blue toenail polish. She was complaining about her dry skin. All she was worried about was what she looked like and what she would look like in court. Because she was saying that she knew how big of a deal the hearing was and that she looked forward to it. After she had the hearing, she returned to herself a few hours later and she wanted her cellmate to watch the news with her. And as they turned it on, she was like, here it comes. Here's my story. Turn it up. Let's see what they say about me now. Oh my gosh. Yeah, She's such a narcissist. I can This is like peak narcissistic personality disorder. Yeah. This is past mental illness. She's this gone. Is, yeah, she's gone. She's G-O-N gone. She's in the portal. So every time that she would go out with her lawyers, her cellmate would say, are you bonding out? And she would say, I hope so. And the cellmate said that <laughs> before one of the meetings, when she'd asked her that, she ran, Lori ran her fingers from her head down to her body and said, we'll see if all this is worth $1 million. <laughs> oh, I... <laughs> You can't I, make this shit up. I, I'm i just at a loss for words. I, yeah. She, she said body. <laughs> the cellmate said that she talked um, on the phone with Colby like almost two days straight without stopping. And after the big entrance at her arraignment, she got on the phone with her, with Colby and said, I didn't see you in the courtroom. There were just so many people. And, like, that's all she cared about. And he just kept on asking, Mom, where are JJ and Tylee? Why won't you tell us what's going on? And, like, she wouldn't say anything. She's a monster. Yeah, so the cellmate said that she never heard Lori discuss where the kids could be. Instead, she would talk about memories from the past or ask Colby to show her his baby when Colby was frustrated that she wasn't cooperating with him. The cellmate said that Lori would tell him to read the scriptures and she would say, Colby, just listen to me. Everyone wants to know, but it's none of their business. God doesn't judge me and they shouldn't judge me. The prophet says to stay off social media, so don't go on there. I can't. I'm done with her. Judge Eddins then moved the preliminary hearing from being in mid-March to being in mid-May. So Lori's attorney, Mark Means, filed a motion asking for Judge Eddins to be removed from the case. He didn't specify why. Eddins approved the motion and removed himself. He was like, see ya. Like, I'm, I'm out of here. <laughs> I can't. Y'all are whack. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so a couple weeks later, her attorney filed a motion requesting that her bail be reduced again. And he said it was due to there being new evidence coming to light. We still don't know what that don't would know be. What that is, yeah, there was yeah. never any... Definitely nothing to make her look innocent. The Idaho Attorney General's office was investigating Lori and Chad for conspiracy, attempted murder, and or murder. So she appeared back in court on May 1st and once again asked for a bail reduction. Of course. And this time her attorney said it was due to the fact that the jail recorded a private conversation between them and that was a violation of their constitutional rights. And so now we have Judge Michelle Mallard and she said, nah, bitch. That body body is still worth a million dollars, huh? <laughs> so the next week, Alex Cox's autopsy was released, and it said that he died of natural causes. 
Just like everybody else in this story seems to have died yeah, of natural causes. I don't get it. I don't know. But I also don't really care how he died. I don't either. No. He did not seem like my kind of guy. No. So the morning of June 9th, the Rexburg Police Department, FBI, and Fremont County Sheriff's Office served a search warrant at Chad's home. A few hours later, they uncovered unidentified human remains. And a few days later, they confirmed the remains were of Tylee and JJ. At Chad Daybell's house? Mm-hmm. That's... Buried at Chad's house. Because yeah. remember what he used to do for a living. <gasps> he was a freaking grave person. Mm-hmm. He was oh. a grave digger. No. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Really, really sad. They said that the remains were basically unidentifiable. They said they were decomposed, dismembered, burned, and bagged like garbage. Burned? Mm-hmm. Oh. It's disgusting. Oh. It makes me sick. Yeah, I just got chills. Huh. Like, those are your babies. She truly You did, did just... all those things and you bagged them like garbage. Those are your babies. I'm, like, itching. I'm, like, not And one of those isn't even your child. Yeah. Like, fuck you. L- literally. Big ol' fuck you. So a couple hours later, they took Chad into custody and he was booked in the Fremont County Jail on two felony charges of concealment, distribution, or alteration of evidence. So the next day, he appeared in virtual court because of COVID, and his bail was set at $1 million. And then on June 29th, they charged Lori with the same things. Oh, my God. So now that this news came out, people started to set up memorials along the fence where they were found, and they were holding vigils in the town. And it was just really sad. So on July 2nd, the prosecutors dismissed the two felony counts of desertion and non-support of children against Lori. Um she obviously didn't desert them because they were dead. So. Yeah, she didn't desert them. She, in my opinion, this has not been ruled yet. I think she killed them. <laughs> what? I think. How did you come to that conclusion? <laughs> what? You don't say so. <laughs> so on July 15th, she pleads not guilty to those misdemeanors from before. She can eat my <laughs> shorts. I mean. Eat them. She's. She would never, she's never going to plead guilty to anything because she is above the law. So she thinks. That's how she was raised. A mess. Her Mm -hmm. father did her a disservice. A mess. She was brainwashed from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Now look at her. Yeah, she's sitting in a jail cell telling them that she deserves to have a cell phone. (laughs) (laughs) Maron. So Chad's preliminary hearing uh, was scheduled for August 3rd and 4th of 2020. And Judge Eden said that they had enough probable cause for the case to advance to district court. That it did. And Lori waived her preliminary trial. That was set for, like, the next week. So it just automatically moved on to district court. Which is weird, because you'd think that she'd want to have her little moment in the spotlight. Say, her little 15 minutes of fame. Mm-hmm. So, Chad was arraigned on the 21st, and he pleads not guilty. And the next week, his attorney literally asked the judge to throw out the entire case. <laughs> hey, um, can you, like, just do me a favor? Just forget about this whole thing. What Nothing do you say? Even, yeah, it's not even that bad. Just throw it out. What do you say? Yeah, he said there was not enough sufficient evidence. The bodies were buried in your backyard. Sir, I don't, 
I don't know if you know this. You dug graves for a living. Like, who I, else would it be? You know what? No evidence. I'll throw it out. No one else lives in that house because he killed her. So, true. So, at the same time that this is happening, this was really exciting, but police back in Arizona said that they're seeking a conspiracy to commit murder charge against Lori in the death of her late husband. Oh, so now everybody's realizing that everybody mm-hmm. around Ms. Lori mm-hmm. just somehow magically died. They said that Lori had always been a person of interest in the investigation, and they couldn't confirm the exact date or timeline when the case would be sent over, and they said that an estimate is four to six months. They said they're in no rush at all. Um, they said that the detectives still had search warrants and subpoenas out in this case, and they're going over 100,000 pieces of digital data. Yeah, data. so I didn't really find anything else about this. Um, like, I know in February uh, they said that they were still investigating, so I think it's definitely going to take a while, but hopefully we know soon. So on September 1st, the prosecutor filed a motion asking to combine their cases. He said that having both cases at once would be more efficient since he was going to charge them with the same things. They have the same evidence and they have the same witnesses. So why not? Just makes it easier. Yeah. Chad said, fuck no, I don't want that. Lori said she didn't care. And uh, the judge also granted Lori permission to wear street clothing. Oh, she had to look fine for her case. She said, I got to show out. What are you talking about? I don't want to be wearing this jumpsuit. Can we just focus on the (laughs) dead children in your backyard and not... No, because I want to wear a skirt, all right? (laughs) It's unreal. So her arraignment was like a week and a half after that. It was on September 10th in district court, and she pled not guilty. And then in November, that audio was released of her talking about how she wanted to kill her ex-husband, Joseph Ryan. Uh, Judges believed him instead of me. And he was constantly trying to get custody of my three-year-old daughter and just to rub it in my face. And um, I went through a lot of years of, of this kind of hard stuff. And... I was going to murder him. I was going to kill him, like the scriptures say, like Nephi killed him, just to stop the pain and to stop him coming after me and to stop him coming after my children. And I was just, I just thought I couldn't take it anymore. And I would go through the scriptures and find all the things, like if he comes against you once, if he comes against you twice, if he comes against you three times, then you can kill him. It says it in the scriptures. And <laughs> it. I'm like, there it is. There's my answer. I don't want to do anything that's wrong. I did not have a murderous heart. I just wanted to stop the bleeding and stop the pain. Now we're in 2021. This stuff happens so slowly just because it's court and also COVID just yeah, slows everything down. Mm-hmm. So in January, there was an audio recording that got released, and it was between the prosecutor and Summer, Lori's sister Summer, and the prosecutor was telling Summer that he planned to file conspiracy to commit murder charges against them. So that's good. On February 4th, the Fremont County Sheriff's Office said that Tammy's autopsy was complete, but they didn't release any details about it. Why? I don't know. Um, I think it's because they're still trying to connect the dots between this 
and the death of the children and how it connects to Lori and Chad and everything that happened. I think they're just trying to figure it out, but they don't want to say anything because they don't know yet. And if they want to be able to charge them with something, they need all the facts. (laughs) So the newly elected prosecuting attorney, Lindsay Blake, requested that the investigation into her death be sent directly to her desk. This is in March. So they're still working on it, clearly. They're still trying to figure out what's going on. So at the end of March, so this is like a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um, the prosecutor, Rob Wood, added veteran homicide attorney Rachel Smith to his team to assist in the case against Chad Daybell, which means they are probably going for a murder charge or a conspiracy to commit murder charge if they're going to add her to their team. Mm-hmm. The first week of April, this was when they were supposed to be having the trial, um, and they ended up, they all met on Zoom, and they said that they needed more time to examine the evidence, so they pushed it to July 12th. Um, but this could be a good thing, because I think they're trying yeah, to... Yeah, they're like gathering... Mm-hmm you don't have enough evidence at all, then they're not going to be able to charge. So I think they just want to make sure they have everything. They want to find a way to be able to connect them to Tammy. They want to find a way to be able to connect them to the children, which shouldn't be hard. No, (laughs) considering they were in his backyard. Yeah, that's pretty much where we're at now. Um, And this is still going on, so we're going to have to, you know, have an update. Oh, we'll definitely have an update. I think um, the first part of the trial, like, there's something in... In June, like June 26th or something, and then like the official start date is July 12th, I think. So we'll definitely have some updates for you this summer. We'll probably have multiple updates because um, didn't something get pushed back to more like the fall? Or that was the June, July. Yeah. Okay. From I thought I read something about fall, but yeah. So we'll definitely have a lot of updates um, this summer. As Erica said, we will have a little addendum. And if you have any information that you know of for this case that we haven't covered, just like we said in the beginning, go to our website, Crime on Caffeine, and let us know. Or you can tweet us, or you can send us an Instagram message, whatever you feel. Everything's just Crime on Caffeine. Yes. So now we're going to get into the psychology of all of this. Yes. We mentioned last episode that we were going to try and give you profiles of the offenders or the victims, depending on what kind of case it is. So we just wanted to jump into a bit of the psychology behind all of this, behind Lori, behind her dad, and, you know, why she did the things that she did or the things that we think she did. So obviously religion played a huge role in this. Um, she was raised to be super religious. She was Mormon. Obviously, she kind of took a step in a different direction in believing in all that she believed in, and it kind of escalated a lot that escalated to the point where it's not really religion anymore exactly but definitely seeing some key themes of narcissism and financial gain here she had two husbands that she got rid of with hefty life insurance policies she stole that money from charles from their bank account thirty-five thousand dollars like she did not care about her husband's she wanted the money and she was money and fame she wanted to make a name for herself wheel of fortune miss texas Mm -hmm. she wanted it all she did but she did not win miss texas she sure enough didn't Mm -hmm. she is not miss texas 
I don't know who won that year, but congratulations. And she is not more important than COVID or Kobe Bryant. Yeah, that just, I, that's how you know that she's insane. Yeah. A narcissist who just wants financial gain and freaking her name in big lights. So we're going to have links to all the sources and everything on our website, but I just wanted to talk about one of them. It, uh, it was called Untangling the Death Web. So they talk about the female psychopath and they say that they tend to be more subtle and skillful in their aggression, in their exploitative relationships, and in their manipulation of others, indicating that many of their harmful acts go largely unnoticed by Is the it authorities. Expletive? It says exploitative. Okay. So that definitely describes Lori. She was skillful. Skillful in her aggression. She used all of the men in her life to get something. Oh yeah. She manipulated everyone, and she was able to steer clear of authorities for a very long time until everything blew up, until you murdered your kids. That's where I think you went wrong, Lori. Mm -hmm. That's where you done fucked up. (laughs) So the female psychopaths will have numerous marital relationships. They're sexually promiscuous, and they will become criminals later in life. Yeah, this is all, you know, Mm -hmm. 10 out of 10. They are more likely to kill partners or love interests or kill for financial gain. And the second most likely group that they kill is children or elderly just because they're powerless. Yeah. Well, she did both. She killed, well, not technically her, but somehow all of her husbands Mm -hmm. died. See, and that's how she's skillful and and manipulative and she's able to go unnoticed by authorities because she's not the one that's doing the killing. Yeah. But she... Definitely had them killed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very common for them to poison with cyanide or pills. Um, around half of female psychopaths have an accomplice. Her brother. And her brother and Chad. And Chad, yeah. Because once her brother's dead. Chad. <laughs> and how'd her brother die? Hmm, interesting. Did he Chad. know too much? <laughs> Probably. It also states that very often they murder for cults. That was the last thing that it said. Which is an, another check box <laughs> for her. Yeah, she's checking a lot of boxes. She checked all of them. I checked them all off in my head for mm-hmm. her. Don't worry, Lori. Got your back. You are a psychopath. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. So Untangling the Death Web also says that female psychopaths may not express the same emotional processing abnormalities as male psychopaths. So... Male psychopaths, they don't feel anything. Um, but with females, they're still allowed to feel love, empathy, and grief at very, very, very low levels. Well, I don't doubt that. I, I think she probably did love she, Chad. And she, I think she loved her children, too. It just got to the point very where little. her beliefs were so out of whack. Because she was expressing love for them. Like, she didn't want them to be around Joseph Ryan because she believed he was a bad guy. Yeah. Unless she was just making up that whole thing. I don't know. Like, I'm hoping that... No, that, I think you're right. Yeah. She had a li- little, little, bitty bit of love. Yeah, she... Somewhere down deep, deep inside. I just think that no matter... Nothing is going to ever be able to compete with the love that she has for herself. So it doesn't matter if she loves her children or she loves Chad or she loves her brother, Alex. Like, everyone is... Less than her. Yeah, and 
everyone is just replaceable and they're just like in the way they're just of the bigger plan mm-hmm. so i think that untangling the death web did an amazing job with their research it was written by andrea cipriano uh, we're gonna link it on our website she did three parts of this and it was so informative and it was great um and the research she did on the psychological profile was great too but i definitely think everything with the female psychopath was spot on And I think so much of this came from her narcissistic father. I couldn't agree more. I think you're on the exact right path. And in our later episodes this year, we will hopefully get some answers for you guys. Yeah, definitely. And I really hope that they go through with being able to charge them for murder. Yeah. I mean, it would be a tragedy if they didn't. Mm Mm-hmm. And we'll definitely update you guys if there's any news into Arizona police and their investigation into um, Charles' death and trying to connect Lori to it. Make sure you go on our website at the bottom. You can fill out your email and everything and subscribe. You'll be notified whenever we post updates or new episodes. Yes, and don't forget to keep giving us reviews on anywhere you listen to the podcast because that really helps us out a lot. Yes, and if you guys have any cases that you want us to cover, please go to our website and submit them. Just tell us what the case is. Tell us why you want us to cover it. Um, add like a link so that we can read about it. But we want to hear what you guys really want to listen to. Yeah, we do it for you. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much for listening. I know that was really crazy and it was a lot of information. Hopefully we made it easy to follow and understand. And if you didn't, resources are on the website. But that is all, and next week we're going to have Allison's first case. Oh my god, I'm so excited. This is a case I've been following for a really long time. I've been doing so much research. I've listened to every single thing on this stinking case. So stay tuned. Next week we'll be covering the Oklahoma Girl Scout murders. Mm